good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cook, he didn't cut a dude. Man. Because all the hippies are gonna be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi, to all my friends and relatives in four directions, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot, and we discuss local, national, Native news and events. And as you know, Wendy, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is sponsored by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Howl! That was a good one. Uh, there's a couple times where uh, Zoe and I had to be the only howl howlers. <laughs> How do you say howlers? Yeah, what howling. if you had a howl by yourself? That'd be lonely. Oh, that would be. Hey, uh, before we get to, we're going to lead off with uh, our sacred animal section with awesome. you, Wendy, and probably get a call to action at the end of the show, too. Mm-hmm. And we have Dr. Stately on, but I just wanted to to say our prayers, and um, that's not enough. Uh, four killed, nine injured in a bank shooting here in, you know, in Kentucky. I do believe it was Kentucky. Um, Happens every day here in the U- U.S. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. And also, uh, hey, Nashville, we're watching you. Tennessee, with mm-hmm. the three people removed, now they they brought one of the lawn ma- lawmakers uh, back to the house. And so, you know, um, we're in the upside-down world now, Zoe. Um, you got another 70 years of this, and Wendy and I are out out the door here soon, and uh, we pray for you. We do, Zoe. There's a lot going Thank on you. out there for you youngsters to take care of and fix, because it's a mess. It is. It is a mess. Thanks, guys. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, everyone's hopefully doing what they can to minimize it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Hey, so let's lead off, when with... Uh, our sacred animal section, and then we'll have Dr. Stately on. Yeah. Welcome, as always. Thank you. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega, Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. Today, we are asking everyone to... Uh, who lives in Minnesota, for a call of action. Howling for Wolves is asking everyone to go on their page, howlingforwolves.org, and they have a take action. You just click on where the picture of the wolf is, and it says take action. You click on that, and what happens is there's a big email, and you put your information in and send the email out, and it goes to your representatives, and it also goes to our governor, Walls, here in Minnesota. We're really getting nervous here, and we're getting down to the nitty-gritty, and we really need every legislator, representative, and our governor out there to know we do not support a wolf hunt here in Minnesota. So if you could do that, that would be wonderful. Now, there's a couple of things that you can do when you look at the email, read the email, and to make it more personal, right in the beginning of the email, you could just put one or two sentences that is important to you, why we should save our Minnesota wolves. You could delete the whole email and you could write something yourself if you'd like, or you could just send along the email as it is, just put in... Put in your information, and the program will know who your representative is, who your legislators are, and who the governor is, and it will go right to their desk. So we need everyone to make sure that they do this, and that would be really important to do if you could do it. I'm going to mention this again at the end of the show as well, but that's what we need you to do. And I already did it quite a few times. I'm sure that they know. Well, tell everybody how easy it is because I guess you just want to personalize and then talk about it. And, you know, Wendy, when I think about this, it's like people, 
you know, anyone can learn from their own mistakes. It's geniuses that learn from others. And look what happened in Wisconsin with mm. this wolf hunt there. Insanity. Yes, they had the wolf hunt. They opened up wolf hunting and they had a quota of, I'm guessing the numbers, I don't have them in front of me. I'm going to say 200 wolves, that that's what they were allowed to do. And they opened up the wolf hunting. The, they had to close it down within 72 hours because... They killed so many wolves, it went over the quota, and it was a bloodbath in Wisconsin. Yeah. We do not want that here in Minnesota, and it's really important that we make sure that our legislators know. Well, um, and then we just talk about, too, as uh, Native Americans, Wendy, that um, mm -hmm. you know we have Ho-Chunk have clans that are wolf clans. That's right. And I know other tribes, and our lieutenant governor is a wolf clan. Mm -hmm. And so it's they're, what we talk about here, they're our relatives. Yes, I'm hoping Peggy Flanagan, our lieutenant governor, will be able to you know, convince Tim Walls, our governor, beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's important for our wolves to be saved. And Peggy Flanagan has been on the show and she said, you know, they are our family. And when a wolf is 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 hunted and killed, I feel like a family member has died. So. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, there's all these programs that we've talked about, Wendy, for seven years, mm -hmm. you know, whether, oh, you know, these big bad wolves are coming in and eating livestock and caribou and <laughs> all know. these crazy and things. Moose. Moose. Yeah. And I mean, there's programs out there that, you know, reimburse people, mm -hmm. put uh, those kind of flyers. The fences, and fences up that have fledging, it's called, where they, is it called fledging? I'm saying that wrong. Anyway, there's uh, strings of fabric around the fences, and uh, they have other means, uh, sound machines and other things yeah. to dis distract the wolves and to dis to disperse them to go elsewhere to leave the livestock alone. Uh, so just compose your message, howlingforwolves.org. Go on, take action. They make it so easy. You just go there. You compose your message. You could send the message as it is. You could add anything you'd like to it. It goes to the governor, your state senator, and your state representative. And um, that's it. You just hit click send message, and that's as simple as it goes. I mean, literally, it takes less than a minute. Well, let's just talk about, for one second, Wendy and Zoe, let's just talk about um, who the heck would just go out there, first of all, it isn't like going duck hunting and you can like... Uh, or deer hunting and eat the you know eat it. Mm -hmm. Nobody eats these wolves. wolves. It's just people like I think of a South Park episode where they just blow stuff away. It's There's like something in their mind, and I don't know how it gets there. And it's probably from early conditioning, saying that it's okay to do this, like fathers who go out there with their sons or daughters and have them with these guns and shoot the wolves. Now, here's the thing. This is not even a f fair fight. Like, Robert, right. you always <laughs> joke around and say if it was a fair fight, the wolves would also have guns. But it's not even – they're not even using rifles. They're using high-powered right. AR-15s, they're using calls that mimic the, the sound of pups crying so it lures the wolves closer so that they can get blown away. They're using bait and and things like that also. So this is not fair game. This right. is horrible. And you know what? There's a lot of hunters out there who are totally against this right. and who will say this is not ethical hunting. This is not hunting. This is just murder and just causing a bloodbath. So we really need this not to take place here. And like the commercial says, we want to keep our wolves for future generations. Well, and I, I also say, Wendy, if it was a true sport, this hunting with wolves, the wolves would have guns yes, too and exactly. shoot back. Yes, but, absolutely. You know, thanks for that update, and we thank uh, Howling for Wolves for doing what they do. Mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Maureen Hackett, who is the founder of Howling for Wolves. She really does so much for this organization. You could also donate to Howling for Wolves. Right. Go to that website, and Wendy, uh, you know. Howlingforwolves.org. Right on. Hey, we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. 
Unwanted sexting or photos, inappropriate jokes, even tickling or wrestling can feel like a violation. Catcalling, cornering, or groping, getting them drunk or high for sex, recording sexual acts without permission, hurting someone because of their sexual orientation, ripping a family member, a child, a date, a friend, a stranger, purchasing a human being for sex. You make the choice every single time. Sexual violence is many things. Make a choice. Do not do it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. When it comes to mental health, connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Whether you're struggling or know someone who struggles, see connections as comfort, hope, and joy. Like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, seeing your grandma. Together we can find ways to create a path forward. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Seward Co-op is now offering convenient, self-serve, and pre-packaged hot options and salad bars at both the Franklin and Friendship stores. Breakfast items available daily until 11 a.m. and brunch served all day every Sunday. Their weekly lunch and dinner menus highlight cuisines from around the world. They offer vegan, vegetarian, and gluten-free options daily. 95% of the ingredients used are organic from small-scale, local community food producers whenever possible. More at seward.coop. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Colvin 1, U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Well, we have a really special guest here uh, today. And uh, really, I'm going to hand it over to Zoe to, to start this interview and get moving on it. And I won't get in the way. Zoe Allen, uh, take it away. Bonjour, relatives. Um, we have a really special broadcast today. Um, we'll be talking to um, a wonderful relative, Marcy Rendon. Um, she's a Minnesota book writer, poet, playwright, um, incredible woman all around. Um, she's also from the White Earth Nation. Um, and we're just going to be getting into um, her writing experience, you know, kind of her process, how she's been able to develop such a beloved character um, that is Cash. Um, and her murder mystery series. So um, without further ado, Marcy, um, welcome to the show. Um, do you want to tell our listeners just a little more about yourself and kind of your journey of what's got you to become, you know, such a wonderful writer and book award winner too? I'll introduce myself in Ojibwe. Buju, Awanakwe Indigenous Cause, Megazine, Dodame. My English name is Marcy Rendon. I live in Minneapolis. I'm originally from the White Earth Nation, and I've been writing, well, I've been writing my whole life since I learned how to write, but it's only been since the last 20, 30 years that I've actually, like, really submitted all of my work for publication, everything from poetry to plays to now the the crime novels and I think that I've always been interested in crime novels because that's what I read and so I really wanted to break into that genre and just write really good crime novels that people would just like pick up and stay up all night reading and so I mean that's that's how the Cash Black Bear series started and 
apparently people love Cash Black Bear, which is great. Yeah, she's an incredible character. I mean, I just started reading your series. I'm on book one, um, Murder on the Red River for our folks Mm -hmm. watching um, and for our folks listening. You know, you can find the you can find Marcy's book at I would imagine relatively any bookstore and online, too. Um, And I've just been remarking to people, especially my mom, (laughs) um, how how detailed of a writer you are and also just how relatable cash is like I haven't had cash's experience as a native woman but um there's such a special way you write her where it's like you know anybody can read it and and connect to the story but if Mm -hmm. you're from the area if you're from white earth if you're from northern Minnesota you know the Red River Valley it's like this special insider (laughs) you know like really it feels like you you're in on like a little secret of what she's what she's talking about especially if you're Ojibwe um, so yeah, I guess I wanted to ask a little bit more about how you went about developing Cash's character. And I know that you've said in other interviews that Cash isn't necessarily you, but you know, you've, you've shared some experiences or your experiences have greatly informed how you've written her. Um, so yeah, just wondering more about how long it took you to develop Cash, um, and what that process was like for you. So I think you know, like initially I, I want, like I said, I wanted to write crime. And so I, I actually have three novels that are sitting in my garage that will never see the light of day. They're so bad. And I knew they were bad. I knew that there was no point in, you know, like, yeah. So I just <laughs> shoved them away and I thought I, you know, I, apparently I can't write crime. And so I was going to write a, a fluff novel about this young woman that goes to Nashville and breaks into the music industry, blah, blah, blah. Um, and as I was trying to write that, I, you know, it's sort of like cash just sort of like showed up like, no, no, no. And this whole other story came out Mm. and, you know, it was set in 1970. Um, cash was a full blown character. I mean, I could like see her in my mind, you know? Um, and as long as I wrote this story that was sort of like coming about cash, I could tell that it was working. And that actually is the first book that you held up there, Murder on the Red River. Um, and like I've said many, many times, this is, these are, this is not an autobiographical series. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in that part of the country, so I know the land. I know that river. I know, um, you know, the people um, of that area, whether it's the farmers or the native folks. Um and I've had so many Native women say to me, you wrote my story. Hmm. Um, and then I've had so many non-Native people say to me, I wish I was more like Cash. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like they mm-hmm. people really admire her strength and resilience and just sort of, I guess, her guts to keep doing the things that she does. Um, but, you know, I, I don't like outline the books ahead of time. I have, I, when I began a book, I have a basic idea of the crime that's been committed. And I know that cash is going to help, you know, solve this crime that's occurred. Um, and then I just, just write, I sit down here at my computer and just type away as the story comes to me. And once in a while I'll get an idea and I'll, you know, like write it on a post-it note and stick it on the wall so that I don't forget it. Um, so that's kind of the process that mm-hmm. I go through. There's not, um, like I didn't sit down and write a whole outline and say, oh, this is the, the book or this is cash. Mm-hmm. Can, um, can you uh, get suggestions? Could somebody give you a post-it note and say, hey, do a murder uh, mystery on a radio host or, or something like that? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, the biggest suggestions that I get, because it's set in 1970, uh, it's rural. And mm-hmm. in my experience growing up, never lived in a city until I came down to Minneapolis. Uh, you know, like kids drank in high school. That's what people mm-hmm. did. And in 1970, everybody smoked cigarettes. You'd go into the doctor's office, he'd light up, you'd light up, and, you know, 
<laughs> that was like the 1970s. And it was also that era of, um, you know, hippies, Vietnam War protests, um, the women's liberation movement, um, the American Indian movement started. Pardon? Black Panthers. Black Panthers, the civil rights movement. So there was a lot happening during that time. And all of that sort of influences what's happening in these stories. Yeah, it's really interesting. I remember uh, I'm 61 or 62. I can't remember. Um, and I remember smoking and uh, visiting my mother in the hospital smoking. Exactly. I was on plane smoking. Yep. And now when anyone sneezes on the plane, I cover up. I can't even imagine you know, <laughs> years ago when we were all puffing away on a plane. Right. Wow. Yeah, and, and this is a little bit of a pivot, but um, <laughs> I think one of my biggest questions I'm really, I was really, really interested in asking you, Marcy, um, was how you've, I mean, I guess it takes just years and years of writing, but um, I just feel like the way you write, you know, Native American stories in this book is really, really thoughtful in telling the truth and not shying away from the truth, but also not making it into like, you know, like a trauma show, you know, because I've just I've seen especially in movies, I've seen that mm -hmm. countless times. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm just so curious as a writer also, um, I had a re I did a research project for my senior year and I just wanted to write about, I wrote about white earth and harm reduction. And it was just mm -hmm. like, I, I worked really hard to try and, you know, find that balance to not um, like exploit my own people um, mm -hmm. for their mm -hmm. pain, but also to tell the truth and be honest and, and shed light on where the root of this issue is. Um, Cause it is not ours necessarily, right. you know? Right. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just, that's, that's something, that's a pretty big question, but, um, I'm just interested to hear anything you have to say in regards to that. So my goal in writing really was to, because like, I, I, I read crime, you know, like you name a crime author, I've probably read their books. It's like other people watch Netflix, I read crime. And so my goal has been to write crime novels that anybody can pick up who reads crime, can pick it up, read it, and enjoy it. I never intended to do, like, an educational thing. Mm -hmm. And when you're writing, like, I, I really think that as a writer, you have to write from your heart. You have to write from your soul. And I've, I learned early, early, way back when I first began writing I was writing a play and I tried to make it not native at all. Like I thought anybody can play this. Any gender can play this. Any person of any ethnicity can play this. And then it was read by a non-native group of young people from a Western suburb. And it was like, hmm, this is not working. <laughs> there is so many, so much native stuff in here that, you know, you, so when you write what you know, those things are in there. But I've managed, I think, to just sort of weave them into the story in a way that people have, you know, said, oh, I didn't know that. Tell mm -hmm. me more about that. Um, that are separate from the, the crime that's happening in the book. Hey, Zoe, take us out for a break. Uh, we're listening to Native Ritz Radio. Yes, yeah, stay with us. We'll be right back with Marcy after um, some messages from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Your Blue Line Extension Project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line Light Rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park, and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org. 
Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let let howl. When it comes to mental health, making connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Connections can bring comfort, hope, and joy. Find ways that work for yourself and others like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, creating space to listen. Visit cmentalhealth.org. That's cmentalhealth.org. cmentalhealth.org. Consumer Reports published their 2023 Best Vehicles Report, and Toyotas from Rudy Luther Toyota dominate the list again. The Corolla, the Corolla Hybrid, the Corolla Cross, and the Camry all top their Best Value New Cars categories. The Camry Hybrid, the Highlander Hybrid, the Corolla Hybrid, and RAV4 Prime all ranked as Best Green Choices. And my personal favorite, the Toyota Sienna, also ranked in the top of its class. Toyotas are not only gorgeous, they're best buys. Test drive one today by going to Rudy Luther Toyota, 5 miles west of Minneapolis on 394. At Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have wood stoves that qualify for the new 30% income tax credit, a great opportunity to get an efficient stove and heat with renewable energy. Right now, avoid supply chain delays, avoid the fall rush, avoid bad weather installation, and save money because we are now discounting the price on all chimney parts you need for installation for any of Woodland's new stoves and fireplaces. We can help you with the stove and the chimney planning. Want to do it yourself? We will help you determine all the parts needed with our installation know-how. We have been installing wood stoves and fireplaces for over 45 years. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood, gas, and electric units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. Save money. Take advantage of the spring and summer chimney discounts when you buy any fireplace product right now at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. This is Chad, owner of AM950. Our station is located on a marsh, and we do our best not to disturb that environment. So I was thrilled to discover Natural Lawn. Their safer products and soil tests ensure that your lawn will be healthy, lush, and green. I don't even have to worry about bringing my furry friend to the station, thanks to the great care from Natural Lawn. I highly recommend Natural Lawn to keep your lawn beautiful, healthy, without compromising safety and sustainability. More at naturallawn.com. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Clear tonight with a low of 37, then sunshine Wednesday with a high of 67 degrees. Spring has arrived and it's time to take a good look at your lawn. If there are bare spots or brown patches, Natural Lawn can help. For over 30 years, Natural Lawn has taken an environmentally friendly approach to lawn care. Beat the summer rush and visit naturallawn.com. Back to Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake and this is Robert Pilot. Bonjour, relatives. You are listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Zoe Allen along with host Robert Pilot. Um, we're here today talking with um, amazing writer, um, poet, playwright, um, uh, Marcy Rendon from the White Earth Nation. Um, and just for just to remind our listeners, um, this segment of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Um, so, hey, Marcy, um, we were just talking about you're just talking um, a bit about, you know, um, how you balance, you know, such heavy topics in, in, you know, your stories, but also, you know, while keeping the focus really clearly on the crime itself um as you know you talked about your uh, 
avid fan of, of crime novels. Um, are there any, I guess my next question, are there any writers that have really like um, influenced your work um, or you've kind of drawn from the structure of maybe how they present a story? Um, can I, can I go back to the, Oh yeah, you can go back though? too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just that with, I've read some books where you're reading a really good story and then all of a sudden it's like commercial break. Here's an educational piece about boarding schools, educational piece. Here's about, you know, ICWA. And I intentionally did not want to do that. Mm. And so at the back of each book, there's an author note that touches on those historical things that everybody may not know that get talked about in the book. Um, so that's, that's sort of how I've handled that because my editor, my first editor, she wanted more information about it. Well, she wanted more information about boarding schools. I said, no, I'm talking about a dead body here. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want to talk about. Um, and so we added the author's notes to the back of the books. And then the publisher um, has a like discussion questions that readers can, you know, like if they're using them in a school or a book club, they can request those discussion questions. Um, who's influenced me? You know, Stephen King. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. You know, the way that he writes about Maine oh, to the mm-hmm. point where the first time I went to Maine, I felt like I would, I'd been there before. Right. Because I would be driving down the road and it would be like, here's one town. Oh, the next town is Castle. Oh, the next town is Banger. Oh, then, you know, it's like, just from reading his books, I it felt like I knew the country. And so I, I know Minnesota. I know that part of Minnesota. I know where Highway 75 is. I know where Highway 9 is, you know. Um, I know that road from Ada to Twin Valley to Minoman. So incorporating that into my story, and I think that's one thing that resonates with people. Um not just from this area, but people who live rural. Mm-hmm. Like they pay attention to where the trees are, where the rivers are, where the, you know, which fields and what, what's growing in what fields. Um, you know, the, I guess the other person, you know, John Sanford, he has a silent prey books. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. read them. They're set in Minneapolis. Um Silent Prey, Deadly Prey, Snowy Prey. I mean, he's got like 30 Prey books. Um, but he, he's, they're set in Minnesota. And so I knew that it was possible. I knew it was possible to set novels in a place and have the place be, you know, a part of the story in the same way that the character is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the two that I think of. Yeah, I was actually thinking of Stephen King earlier when you were talking about how you have, um, you know, a couple novels or you know things you've written in your garage that will never see the light of day. Because mm-hmm. I just remember the story of, um, you know, Stephen King's first book, Carrie. He threw in the trash, right. and <laughs> it wasn't until his wife, you know, dug it out and that it became, you know, one of his most famous and most right. loved. Um, novels later turned into a movie and he is an insane character. I mean, he lives in Maine, you know, he still lives there and my family um, has land on Keezer Lake and that's the lake he lives on. So a Mm. lot of his stories are based around that lake. And so going there, I'm glad I haven't read a lot of his books because I don't think I could sleep there. (laughs) I would be too scared. You know, the Pet Cemetery is a real place. Yeah. yeah. Um, But anyways, that just goes to say, um, I guess my next question was, uh, how long did it take you to become published? Um, what was that process like for you? And, you know, you've done, you have lots of poetry out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you have plays. Um, what was different about getting this book off the ground, you know? So um, Murder on the Red River was the first book in this series of Cash Black Bear stories. And it was written, and I'm a part of an ongoing women's writers group. And they were like, this is it. This is going to sell. This is your book, Marcy. And 
I sent it out to publishers. I sent it out to agents. It was five years of rejections. And I think that at that point, when I was submitting, the two top authors, native authors out there were Louise Erdrich and Sherman Alexie. And crime novels just didn't fit, you know. And then the other group were the... um, the romance novels, you know, with the half naked guy on the cover, huh, you know, and this wasn't it either, you know? Right. And so I just rejection, rejection, Debbie Reese, who does the blog, American Indians in children literature. She's a friend of mine. And I was talking to her and I said, I'm giving up. I've been trying for five years to find a publisher for this. And she's the one that suggested that I try Cinco Puntos, which was my first publisher of the, cash black bear books and i sent them the manuscript they picked it up and you know so that's how it all started but it was five years of rejection and i was ready to just give it up wow hey marcy uh Mm -hmm. can you uh tell our listening audience how we can like do you have a website or somewhere they can land in uh, our facebook do you have anything where they, they could head head to and uh, get a lot of this information we're talking about? Um, I have a website that's just marcyrendon.com. I'm on Facebook, Marcy Rendon Author, um, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, the publishing world tells you that you have to be on all of this social media platforms to sell books. So if people just Google Marcy Rendon, they'll find me, find the information. The books here in the Twin Cities, like Zoe said earlier, are just about any bookstore. I've done readings in every bookstore, I think, in the cities. <laughs> However, um, Once Upon a Crime always has copies, and Birchbark Books always has copies. Awesome. Go ahead, Zoe. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know if we have enough time. Maybe if we have to break another again. Um, oh, okay. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, about the story I read, um, about you trying to get your book out into the world, Marcy. Um, I read something about how you were able to get it on the Oprah book list. Um, crazy story. I would love for you to share. Well, that I don't with know if listeners. it's true or not, but it's, you know, it's still a good story. I don't you know. know. I just think it's insane. So the, the running club, the women's native women's running club up in Duluth. They had a whole big spread with Oprah. And I said to them, did you guys should give her my book? They're like, no, we never thought of it. And I was, this was a conversation happening on Facebook. And my friend Lee, who is a singer in New York, she said, well, I'm going to be singing on the Oprah show. Get, get me a book and I'll give it to her. And so I mailed her a copy of the book, you know, with a note inside of it. And then Lee wrote me back and she's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful singer. Um, She wrote me back and she said, nobody can get near Oprah. You just can't. So I didn't have the opportunity to hand her the book. She said, but I gave it to the cleaning lady and asked her to put it on her dressing table. And so that (laughs) happened now. And then like it, you know, it came out on this 31 Native authors recommended by Oprah. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way that I can think that she would have seen that book. <laughs> so that's the story. <laughs> wow. I, wow. I just think that's so incredible. And <laughs> and also just so like, you know, hope hope feel hopeful because um, you know, I think about up and coming writers or young people mm-hmm. that are starting to get to get into the writing world and to see see themselves in women like you doing it and getting you know getting the credit and the platform that you deserve for so many years of hard work. Um, so I know we have to break in a little bit, but if there's one thing you could say to you know up and coming writers, if you had one piece of advice, I guess what would it be for people to to keep writing and to submit? You know, you have to. People are so tender and so afraid of getting rejected. But really, you have to risk that rejection. You know, and for me, it was that five years of just no, 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 no. But I just kept, but I had these 
women behind me saying, go for it. This, you know, somebody's going to get it, somebody. Um, and so you have to keep writing and you have to keep submitting and you submit all over the place. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'm submitting short stories. I'm submitting poetry. I'm submitting plays. I'm submitting novels, children's books. Um, I have a children's book right now that's been rejected by nine publishers. That's <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, Hmm. I, but I know it's a good one. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, why don't we take a quick uh, break and do another segment? This is really uh, going very well, and I really appreciate Marcy here. And uh, go ahead, uh, Zoe, take us out of this hour, and we'll come back. All right. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. Um, this is Zoe Allen. We're with Marcy Rendon. And stay with us. We'll have more from her after the break. Stay with us. Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit MN350.org. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. When it comes to mental health, connections with others can be a way forward. How do you reach out when you need someone? What do you do to support those who struggle? Whether you're struggling or know someone who struggles, see connections as comfort, hope, and joy. Like sending a text, sharing a moment, offering a hug, seeing an old friend, seeing your grandma. Together we can find ways to create a path forward. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Visit cmentalhealth.org. Next Chapter Booksellers is the perfect gift idea for mom this Mother's Day. Whether she loves bestsellers or hidden gems, the friendly staff at Next Chapter Booksellers offers personalized book recommendations for any taste. Add a little something special to your gift with their beautiful cards. Plus, they sell a wide variety of puzzles and games. So skip the flowers and the chocolates this Mother's Day and give the mom in your life a gift that lasts from Next Chapter Booksellers off Snelling and Grand in St. Paul. More at nextchapterbooksellers.com. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Bujou Relatives, um, this portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh. <laughs> there was one uh, wolf that was laughing and not howling. <laughs> that's that's I was totally wolf. unprepared for that. <laughs> okay, Marcy, you never listened to our radio show. Okay. Just, just want to be clear. All right. Go ahead. Zoe. <laughs> uh, you relatives. Um, this is Native Roots Radio. Um, this is Zoe Allen along with host Robert Pilot. We are here interviewing Marcy Rendon, um, an enrolled member of the White Earth Nation, writer, poet, playwright, and also um, a McKnight Distinguished Artist Award winner um, for 2020. Um, and Marcy, um, we were just talking about well, lots of things. Um, and, you know, if there's anything you wanted to say um, more about for more advice for, um, you know, up and coming writers, love to hear it. Um, but I also wanted to mention that you're up for a book award, um, Minnesota book award this year. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? So sure. Uh, advice to writers, write, write, submit, submit, stack up those rejections and then submit again. Um, you just got to keep 
you just got to keep at it. And it helps to have a group of people around you, whether that's family or a writer's group, somebody that's just encouraging you to, you know, keep moving forward. Um, the McKnight Distinguished Artist of the Year Award was in 2020. I was the first Native woman to receive that award. I had zero idea that that was a possibility. I, I, you know, our distinguished artist, one, I don't feel very distinguished. And two, <laughs> like artists, I think of visual artists. You know, it wasn't mm. me. Um, and then the book awards, like all of my books have won some award. I didn't know that book awards were a thing. I, I I just thought you wrote them and hopefully they got published and people read them. So when the first, my Murder on the Red River won the Pinkley Women's Debut Novel of the Year Award, um, got to go to New Orleans and get this award and this big thing. And Sinister Graves, the the newest novel, um, you can't see it, um, you know, it's been nominated. It's a finalist for the Minnesota Book Award, which is a huge, it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that these things <laughs> existed. I mean, people, you know, growing up, I didn't know that Native people could grow up and be writers. This was right. not something that was ever put out there for us. Um, so it's an honor. Even just the nomination is an honor. Mm-hmm. And, Definitely. Yeah. Wonderful. I have, uh, Zoe, I just have a quick question for Marcy. I know, uh, what is your style? I know some people, I've heard if you want to do a book, if you're a first-time book writer, make it like do two pages a day. And then by the end of the year, you know, you're not procrastinating. You have 700 pages to deal with. Um, some people cram in a book for months. St- I guess Stephen uh, King does writes in the morning. Uh, what is your style, or, or how do you? Uh, uh, how many pages you do a day, or words? When I'm working on a novel, I try for two thousand words a day. And I sometimes I write with a friend, like we'll get on Zoom like this, mm-hmm. and we'll write for an hour. Um, where I get most of my writing done. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I've always had kids around. (laughs) And so in order to get the kind of space that you need in your brain to write, I I do a lot of writing residencies whenever I can, where I'll get two weeks to go sit up on the North Shore and just nobody else is around. And I just write nonstop from the time I get up until I fall asleep at night. That's when I actually get the most work done. (laughs) Um Currently, working on book four, I just sit here, I try to reach my 2,000 words a day um, and hope for the best, <laughs> that, you know, <laughs> that, I, that I meet the deadline that my editor wants it by. Um, but I think that as a mother, a lot of my writing has had to happen in my head while I'm doing everything else. <laughs> you know, while I'm driving them to school, while I'm doing the dishes, while I'm doing cleaning the house. And then when I sit down, I can actually just sort of pump out the words. I think that every writer has to find what works for them. Mm. Uh, People talk about having peak hours to write. Oh, I do my best writing at 10 in the morning. Oh, I do my best writing. Art Colson, he's another Native writer here. And he starts writing at 9 o'clock at night. But he has a job during the day. So this is like his golden hour. He goes from 9 to 1, 2 in the morning. Um, I'm asleep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I think that everybody has to find their own rhythm and in, in what works for them because what works for me may not work for Zoe, may not work for you, mm-hmm. Robert. Mm. Cool. Well, yeah. I, I, have to, I have to start writing with that uh, artificial intelligence because I'm not <laughs> Oh, my. 
Oh, well, before we go, um, I just wanted to also acknowledge your other work. Um, you know, we have about three minutes left here. I just wanted to talk a little bit about your, your playwriting and also your poetry. And I mean, thinking of one of my favorites, um, is what, what is an Indian woman to do? Um, I talk about it all the time, especially, especially lately, given all the pretendian stuff going on. Um, it's so relevant today. So, um, so the, that poem is my most published poem, What's an Indian Woman to Do When the White Girls Act More Indian Than the Indians Do. Um, Joy Harjo published it in her um, When the Light of the World Was Subdued anthology. Um, I write poetry all the time, and I have two poetry manuscripts right now that I've submitted because um, I don't have a book of my own poetry published. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if I finally get one of my work published. Um, the plays recently, I have a play performance piece called say their names about missing and murdered Indian women and turtle collective theater in collaboration with the history theater did a staged reading of that piece in November. Um, it's like a 45, 50 minute play about, Missing and Murdered Indian Women. And that, that piece actually began as a piece, as a poet, poem that I wrote for a spoken word thing at EQ at the Loft a number of years ago. Um, at that time, the database for Missing and Murdered Indian Women in Canada was 90 pages long. Wow. Um, wow. Single spaced. You know, that's a, that's a ream of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wrote a poem based off of that idea. And now I've turned it into this, this play. Mm. Um, and then I have another play about a Native woman who's a serial killer. That, mm-hmm. I, that, I'm, that it had a staged reading at the Playwright <laughs> Center with the Guthrie. And I'm trying to yeah. find some play. It, it's There's satire. People. It's farce. There's- it's... Mm-hmm. There's people I know that could play that part. No. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's, so, a that... different, that's a different. <laughs> well, oh. well, Zoe, I, I just want to say, uh, Pini Gigi for getting Marcy on. I see Marcy in the community all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, with her books. And I know you're a big fan. And I've always wanted to have Marcy on. So this worked out so, so well, Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. This is great. Chimi um, Gwich, Marcy, it's so lovely to see you, even if it's on, you know, cyberspace. Hopefully you can visit again soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. And I want I want to thank Zoe, too. Uh, and Marcy, what a great show. You've been listening to Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake. One last time on your website and how we can uh, mm-hmm. get your books, Marcy. Um, just Google Marcy Brendan and I'll pop up somewhere and... The books are either at Birchbart Books or Once Upon a Crime or just about any bookstore that you want to in the cities. Well, again, Peeny Gigi for being on. I just want to end the show. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, or run for office. You've been listening to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now. Wajile <laughs>